0: Welcome to Game Time in the Triangle. I'm your host, Tricia Williamson. Today, I welcome the first of two guests here to discuss adapted sports in North Carolina. Wes Hall is the co-founder and CEO of North Carolina Adapted Sports, where they create recreational and sporting opportunities for individuals with physical disabilities. Last week on our season finale of Friday Night Rivals, Leesville Road was at Cardinal Gibbons in a tense showdown for the conference championship and a higher seed in the playoffs. Cardinal Gibbons was the first to get on the board, with quarterback Gannon Jones finding Aiden Smalls in the end zone.
1: This one hangs the far back corner of the end zone. What an adjustment by Aiden Smalls! Brings it in just in front of the pylon. Touchdown, from Cardinal Gibbons was parachuted into the far corner, and Aiden Smalls twisting around basically unmarked.
0: Leesville blocked the extra point, then made a field goal to end the first quarter at Leesville 3, Cardinal Gibbons 6. Early in the second quarter, both teams were trading touchdowns, keeping the score close. With six minutes left in the second quarter, Gibbons surprised Leesville with a fake punt, Jones threw to Smalls, and nobody was able to catch him, stretching the lead for the Crusaders.
1: And he's going to fake, he's going to throw, it has a man, Aiden Smalls gets away, this is trouble, there goes Smalls on a fake punt, touchdown Cardinal Evans. That is always the danger when your quarterback sometimes is your pooch punter the fake, and how can you lose something where Aiden Smalls was
0: on the... Leesville answered back with another field goal to keep the score within seven, and ended the half with Leesville at 13, and Cardinal Gibbons at 20. Leesville Road started the second half with a huge drive, ending with Xavier Lewis in the end zone to tie the game
1: up. They loaded up, and now they go one more time, and it's Lewis in for the touchdown. He it down here. Xavier Lewis. How about that? Converts on a third and short at midfield. Converts again on third and short. And now at the one-yard line, Lewis, the defensive tackle for Leesville Road. gets. They were
0: able to pull ahead with a field goal, but the lead didn't last long. Cardinal Gibbons' Chet Yardley pushed the Crusaders ahead again with a 74-yard touchdown. The third quarter ended with Leesville at 23 and Cardinal Gibbons at 27. A tense fourth quarter was scoreless until three minutes left when Aiden Smalls found Griffin Cockrum in the end zone for the last touchdown of the game. Gibbons then closed the door on Leesville by intercepting the ball with two minutes left, and the final score was Leesville Road 23, Cardinal Gibbons 33.
2: All right, Coach, a trophy for you guys tonight, also a conference championship. Now, it seemed for a second there in the second half that the momentum was all over there for Leesville Road. How were you guys able to turn it around and get that win?
1: Well, I'll tell you, our, our defense did a phenomenal job of shutting them down in the fourth quarter. We obviously gave up a few points there in the third, um, made a huge play on a fourth and one uh, from Aiden Smalls to Griffin Cockerham, and that sealed the deal for us tonight. Love seeing our defense back, Nolan, uh, Rick finished it off with a big pick there at the end, and we just took a knee to kneel the thing out. So, man, phenomenal job by Leesville. But, uh, man, so proud of our guys. Grit, determination, made the plays when we needed to. Heck of a game tonight.
2: And big win tonight, senior night. You guys have all the momentum. How do you carry that over into next week with the playoffs?
1: Yeah, obviously a great way to work into uh, next week in the playoffs. Um, we probably secured ourselves somewhere around a five seed and uh, kind of the real season begins now so we can't wait to get going. So proud of our guys and so proud of our seniors carrying us this win tonight.
0: The playoffs begin on Friday with Cardinal Gibbons now the fifth seed, taking on the 28th seed Overhills High School. Leesville Road secured the 15th seed and they'll play 18th seeded Richmond. I'm joined now by Wes Hall from North Carolina Adapted Sports. Welcome, Wes. Thank you. You are the founder of North Carolina Adapted Sports, and how long has it been going on now?
2: Uh, we started in April, 2022, and so about a little bit over a year and a half now. Um, it's been a little bit of whirlwind for us. Uh, we grew quickly when we thought we would, but it's been exciting and scary at the same time, but it's been great seeing the impact we've made on the community and, and create more accessibility and equity for Adapted athletes.
0: Was that the goal when you started it? You like you wanted to expand adapted sports, and um, you've talked about the trail system in the Triangle as well. Work with that?
2: Yeah. So we uh, had been doing some riding. COVID obviously changed a lot of things a lot of people. So we did a lot of outdoor riding, and then we got a little bored of the greenways. And said, let's go try a, a mountain bike trail. So we did a crabtree and realized our barriers were the bridges were not wide enough. And so we parked, uh, approached the park superintendent uh, Drew Cade, and asked him, "Hey, can we widen the bridges and make it wider?" And he said yes. And that was kind of around the time we also were starting a nonprofit, and so it kind of really synced in on what our mission was to create more equity and inclusion. And so I wanted to create a trail system at Crabtree, where if I'm riding my brother, who's able-bodied, I can ride him and still ride the same trails. It didn't mean we're making the trails easy. There are difficult trails at Crabtree and difficult trails throughout the entire region. We just make them possible. So the whole goal is to make us sit down on the equipment that has now quickly evolved over the past four or five years that these adapted hand cycles and off-road hand cycles, what they're doing now, were not what they were doing a couple of years ago. There's some amazing athletes out in the country doing some amazing things and jumps and stuff. So, but it's made possible because the trails are accessible. They're wide enough for these bikes to ride on. There are bypasses around features that are um, this can't be changed or does not need to be changed. to so it creates a good feature for able-bodied riders, but allows me to bypass that particular feature and let my brother hit that feature he wants to and ride it. So we can share the experience together in just certain way that may bypass certain areas from, for safety reasons and just for the ability of the bikes and the athletes.
0: What's your history with um, adapted sports? Uh, how long have you been involved in it? You're mostly a cycler or do you do other... <clears throat>
2: No, uh, I I became 52nd birthday was in the in uh, September, so I've been a dappin' athlete for 37 years now. Okay. So um, I lost my leg to cancer back when I was 15.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so then there really wasn't anything. Um so it was me swimming on the swim team as a, a against able-bodied swimmers. It was me surfing with able-bodied surfers. And the um, only thing I really got in, involved in when there was Disabled Sports America, I actually started snow skiing. So that's when I actually started competing against other athletes with disability. Until mm-hmm. then, I was competing with athletes who were not physical disability. So from beach, from beach volleyball, the surfing, bodyboarding, and, and swimming, that's what I did. I just competed against my able-bodied peers. <laughs> so the inclusivity was there. But... Um, I was the only athlete, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't a lot of resources in the schools, and probably because I was probably maybe one of three or four af- uh, students in the school that had a physical disability. So the numbers weren't quite there for th- the school system I was in. Um, but as things have gone over, over the years, and from I went from surfing, and then I moved up here. I went and got into kayaking, so I've been paddling. I've been an instructor with the British Canadian Union since 1998. ACA since 2009 and so I just got into kayaking and that was my next big sport and then cycling became the next fluid thing as far as when I want to load the boat and I just want to get some exercise I can hop on the bike out of my garage and ride down to the greenway and enjoy the greenway so that active lifestyle I wanted to have but also allowed me to be immersed with my able-bodied peers and experience something with them versus the Snow skiing was, I was, I mean, even snow skiing, I was, I was snow, I was ski with my able bodied friend. So it wasn't like exclusive, it was an inclusive situation. So what I really found in that all these years was that that experience with my peers was more, or I remembered more about than the experiences when I was with disabled athletes only. Mm-hmm. Those are great experiences, but when I was able to be with my peers and experiences, sports or activities, that's what had a more impact on my life. And so that's, but the Dapid Sports and our mission are a little catch-line is raising expectations of equity and inclusivity. And I think some of the things with equity is that it's not that it's equal, it's that we have the tools to experience right. those things. So I'm not asking I don't want flat trails. I actually want the challenge of climbing a hill that you would that an able body rider would have challenge on. Um I don't want to get the paddle down class one rapid. I like class three, class four. I like punching through surf. I don't want flat water. So those are things in perspective as far as it's not making things easier. It's making things possible.
0: So when you're working on trails, um, you know, we have a lot of paved trails in the triangle. um, But you talked about fixing bridges. What is it about the bridges that they had built that made it not possible
2: so most of the bridges were not wide enough. So okay. So the bridges, they just weren't, we were not on the radar. We were not riding the trail. So the bridges, they they probably took some eight-footers or two-footers and they made two foot, three foot, 30-foot wide bridges. So they're just narrow enough for us to get across, but it requires us to spot each other. So someone to be sitting behind me or in front of me going, turn left, turn right to keep my wheels on. I would, some, some bridges that have maybe an inch of play left or right. We wanted the bridges to be converted where that I can go at the bridge at speed. Mm-hmm. And so I can come down the trail and I have to stop and slow down my progress because now I have to creep across the bridge so I don't fall off the bridge. So that was the biggest hurdle of all of them. And there was one, there was actually one at Crabtree that we just couldn't get over at all. I actually had to get off my bike, pull my bike across to ride a trail. And I have that ability as an amputee, but I also riders who through a spinal cord injury or other more. Right, they
0: can't get out of their chair get just to fix it. Right. And,
2: and pulling them across the bridge would have been next to impossible, or very dangerous. So making the bridges wider um, also created a better flow for the able-bodied riders as well. So kind of the universal design concept, um, even one of the bridges that grabs you, at the 54-foot-long bridge, is a boring bridge to ride across regardless, but we actually put a set of rollers in the middle of the bridge to kind of spice at the bridge. So for no matter who's riding the bridge, they're like, oh, this is something different versus just like across the bridge. They, I've seen riders actually jump both humps on the bridge, so it gives them a different challenge of it. But also, I've done the same thing in a hand cycle and jump off of it. So it's spices up a little bit, but still it allows it us to go at speed and, and enjoy the bridge without worrying about falling off the bridge. So
0: so your organization is called North Carolina Adapted Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, do you work all over the state? Do you have a central area that you've been working so towards so far?
2: We've been primarily right here in the Triangle area. So anything, we. We have athletes that have come as far as Greenville, um, North Carolina, and Greensboro to our program. So, programmatically, we decided let's focus on what's here because there's so many trails, a lot of greenway trails, a lot of ways to build up into it, a lot of connectivity, um, and then a lot of resources as well. So, that is in that realm there. But we're also consulting with um, other other municipalities and other areas like Greensboro and, and did a little bit of consulting with uh, – um, the company had, had contacts about consulting someone with the deep pond forest about what we can do to make those areas more accessible. So the, it's beginning the groundswell of going, how can we serve all and how can we make it universally accessible for all so that if someone has a disability, and someone in the family has a disability, they can actually go experience that walk on the lake or the fishing or the cycling together versus, well, we can't go to that park now because there's nowhere for Johnny or mom to go. Because they' a wheelchair user, now we're not making the pot There's been the click in the head and the radar going. We need to bring these, this audience to the table. And so I had a conversation with some officials down um, at a kayak constructor training. They were asking about accessibility around the park and stuff. And so I had, my first thing then was that like, you need to bring someone to the table in your community who's a wheelchair user and get that input. If they're not at the table with a voice, you're doing a lot of guesswork. Often so, happens
0: when you're trying to expand for yeah. marginalized communities, right? You yeah. don't have that person at the table, you're not going to be properly educated no. on what they actually need.
2: And ADA is a very low bar, so even the conversation with Town to Carrie and Wonder Show, they're making a self before us. I start getting a parking lot. And I thought, like, well, let me get some of my more advanced athletes out there and who are wheelchair users, unless you us utilize this area. And I can tell you what needs to be done at that point in time. We can kind of guess, but I'd rather have them communalize a lot to go in we need this, this, and this. This will make it usable. And then build from there. It's easier to proactively do it than retroactively um, fix the situation.
0: I've done a couple of stories, like I did a story on the (coughs) Mountains to Sea Trail. Um, I talked to the executive director of the Friends of Mountains to Sea Trail, and he was talking about how difficult it is to get money in the first place to expand a trail. So where does that come from? Where do you find the money to make all of these improvements?
2: Well, one, we, had a, we got a grant from Dominion Energy. So that gave us $10,000 toward trails. I guess $10,000 toward an app on and Off-Road Cycle. Oh, that's great. So we, it was a dream bike. I didn't think we'd be able to get it. But I, I put it in the grant to see what they would do, and they said yes. So it's a Bowhead. It's The Bowhead um, Corp came out with their um, entry-level Dapid Off-Road hand Cycle. So it has better suspension than my truck. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal piece of equipment, but to get people on the shore riding. And so a lot of it, I think, just came down to the story. Because we just really, even when we approached Wake County and Town of Cary, like, I don't expect you guys to have thought we could do this. Because mm-hmm. the population was not there doing it. But the population that there is growing. I don't want to necessarily ride on the road. Um, I'm very, We're already low the road already. So if people don't pay attention to upright bikes. Right. There could be less tension to me if I'm sitting 30 inches above the ground. Whereas all the greenway systems here and the control system now allows us to have a good exercise and and challenge ourselves mentally as well. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing we found the off-road stuff. It was like when we pitched the story to potential funders like this, not only is it physically challenged, but it's also challenges mentally. That mental stimulation helps us overall. Spiritually, well-being, mental wellness, all that kind of stuff came into play in one little trip. The three four miles on a mountain bike trail can refresh my entire day, and so that was more of how we pitched the story of we want to make an impact in the community, we want this to be more inclusive, that we want to get more people who are have physical disability active again. And whether the some of the random less up and down stats, but the last one I saw with North Carolina is about thirteen point five percent, thirteen point two percent of this population has a disability. Of that. Spectrum 5.2 percent of that of 17 years of age to 64 have a physical disability, a mobility impairment. So that equates to 61,000 people in White County and 9,400 youth from five to 17 in White County alone. This have a mobility impairment. That's a large population, right? That does not, and I even with athletes we've seen, I, I even like being at this even buff the surface of getting reaching that population. So the benefits to it. As we explain it to our, our funders, in that this prevents secondary illness. They become more active. They're 40% more likely to have developed type D diabetes over the able bodied peers having a physical disability. So, then the confidence, they're also 19% more likely to have a job and work. And so, this, and, it, and then it just changes the perception of society. So, then looking at the situation of Poor, poor ways. person It's like Well what can this person do This person Like we do a lot We have a lot to contribute To society And a lot to in, Input and ideas It's just the equity part of it To make it there So that's got, It was kind of A springboard effect fact to The trails And the equity Being a springboard To What's got to change Societally Overall um, So even with High school athletics And stuff It was just very There's not a lot there And and maybe because we need to rethink how we do high school athletics instead of maybe one student in every 20 high schools. Right. How do we make that competitive? Maybe it should be a more conglomerated type team system versus one athlete in Northwest Wake County and another athlete in Southwest Wake County and carry or Nightdale or where it may be. How can we get those, those athletes to train together as a more cohesive team to push off each other and stuff like that? And also making an awareness of it as well. But that's, the stem of is we just, that we just told the right story. so
0: Well, that's a good uh, segue because we talked to Jillian Widener. She was kind of the springboard for this episode because she is the state champion in wheelchair track, but she was the only person to run the state yeah. championship race, right? Is it the people who would be eligible for something like this, they didn't have access to it, or are there just not that many adapted sports athletes?
2: I think a lot of it comes down to awareness. So I did a talk at the physical medical rehab at UNC. And about half those doctors knew about adaptive sports. And so I don't fault the system. They have a lot to think about in the health world system. But I think it's just the awareness that the possibilities are opportunities. If someone who is trying to make men's men's meet, they're trying to find a way to pay for the day chair, pay for the health care, stuff like that, adaptive sports is not clicking in the radar. Right. So, they would look on, like, if they're looking right now online at Jillian's chair, it's a $3,000, $4,000 chair. And for some people, that's like, well, we're not spending three, $4,000 a chair.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But they also know about the resources out there for other personalized grants to help you purchase that equipment and then utilize the equipment as well. And so, as part of what us in at Northland Athletic Sports is that I don't want athlete to be dependent on us to have to be cycle or play with your basketball. We will have the equipment to get them going, but eventually we'll help them find the resources and grants to purchase their own equipment so they become independent of us to do that particular sport. So in Joan's realm there, and that may be something even that in high school sports is that it's made an investment in the school system to purchase five or six different sport chairs or race track chairs to have in stock at the Wake County school system. And then as students come in to the system and say, hey, we'd like to get you trained in this. We had the chair. So you don't have to worry about equipment. We had the coaching and we have the resources. All you have to do is show up and practice. That limits a lot of barriers to get that to get in there. The the wheelchair basketball per, point of things is that they're just we're scattered across the entire county. So the athletes that play with us, like I said, they're from Greensboro to Greenville and in almost every quadrant of Wake County that come to our program.
0: How many teams do you have on that program?
2: Right now we have 10, 10 youth athletes. Um. Various ages, from age five to seventeen. Not all of them play wheelchair basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, some are too young to play wheelchair basketball, at age five. But we also have some that who we have one athlete who had a track chair, but his high school didn't not have track. Oh, he'd be a phenomenal competition to Jillian. Um, he's very driven and and just like Jillian is. So I think that is just. It's instead of hoping they'll show up, let's provide the opportunity for them to show up and really push it and advertise it. There's caseworkers in schools and, and with all these kids. So there's a way to connect them to that thing. It's just decreasing the barriers of access to it.
0: So you're expanding different kind of sports that adapted athletes can uh, participate in. You mentioned earlier that you are doing climbing as well.
2: Yeah, we partnered with Catalyst Boards out of Atlanta, who's well known for their climbing. And so instead of us reinventing the wheel, we contact them, say we'd like to start a adaptive program, we'd like to climb with you guys. So between Catalyst Boards and Triangle Rock Club, and um, we climb at the Morrisville location, and we started developing a program. Are and you so, a
0: climber?
2: I'm climb. not. I'm a recreational climber.
0: You, you so. like to climb. I
2: like to climb. So um, at the program, I'm doing more belaying than climbing and encouraging. So, but it's. It's a good sport, and for and what's nice about it, we are not in the gym solely by ourselves. We mm-hmm. actually, our athletes are climbing next to the wall of A-ball athletes. And so they're, it's a very inclusive environment so that everybody gets to see the skill of our athletes and get to see what they accomplish and what they do. And it's been a really good thing as far as helping us recruit volunteers as well because they get, huh, I'd like to help out with this. will sign up. We have climbing once a month, and you come ballet and come curve You can be a side climber or whatever your job may be to do this it's been very um that was the first official program we started doing then we has got bikes we started doing personalized so cycle rides ride with that and then now we are approached by good parents that we are now established a wheelchair basketball team that will have our first practice in november um right now i think officially our name is the red wolves that may change good name so good name um but yeah it's just and with that, we're gonna stick with those three programs right now. because we want to run quality programs, so we don't get overstretched. As far as resourcing on equipment, we can resource like, hey, if you want to do track, here's a a particular company I would contact to get fitted for, get track chair. And here's a coach that where Julian has like, schools may have experience on doing that coach and get them connected to coaches and you know, regionally regional-wise to may help them get from there. So there's and we and that's a lot of resources coming into play. Like we're also a member of Movie United. They have a lot of resources as well. So just filtering out all the noise of internet search to say, ding, 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 here's your options for this. And so and that was part of our, our get-go from the beginning was collaboration. That we we could only catch cast a bunch of net out in the area. So we said we gotta start collaborating with other organizations. So we had met with North Carolina Central University with Dr. Woodson Smith. At there because she has a she has an adaptive curriculum in her program. Like hey, we're like get your students involved, um, and then some other nonprofits that do similar services but not the same service we do because their athletes may benefit from what we do, and our athletes may benefit from this they, they provide. So it's trying to break down some of the silo that we tend to create sometimes in nonprofits. Is that this is my my people. Mm-hmm. Your people may benefit from something going on in other organization, right? And so let's share that information so that they can benefit from it. There's an organization called Made for Me, which makes adaptive.
0: I've been there. I love them. Yeah,
2: it's great. I mean, I, I, they we went in there. It was, I was jealous of their shop. I mean, but making furniture that's temporary for people with a physical disabilities so they can adapt at home versus their parents spending thousand hours on equipment or pieces of furniture that is going to be very clunky, very heavy, and then mm-hmm. when they not grow out of it, they have to get rid of it where there's cardboard recyclable. Right. So My favorite
0: part about Made For Me is that it's 100% made for the person who is going yeah. to use it. All of their measurements, everything that they need in it, and they make it exactly for them. Yeah. such a great organization. Made For Me. We're going to shout out Made For Me because made they're me, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so as an able-bodied person who doesn't have to think about that every day, when I'm going out to like a track, you know, if it's dirt or there's... um potholes or something like that I'll just avoid it uh, but what what when somebody is making a facility or something like that what would they do to make it as accessible as possible
2: the first thing coming into play is the actual facility the location we know that right now we are like crapshoots have been a good location for us because I was part of an accessible dot project with them several years ago and so they have a lot of the ADA spots and then the great bathrooms so will sometimes we'll stage there some trails we don't have necessarily have that same option. So at Harris Lake, we are creating a wheelchair transfer bench in a asphalt parking lot. We actually designate a couple of spots for this area so that athletes can transfer from the chair onto the bike, then actually lock their chair up, and then we go ride the trail and then come back. So there's things like that that we just from noticing other other athletes like uh, Joe Pomeroy, who's he would dust me in he, any race at all, but at races, we stage everything on the back of our cars or a truck. We're coming right there in the middle of traffic. So part of that perspective is like, what can we do to have this staging out of traffic? Mm-hmm. Like on a sidewalk, or a large concrete area where we can move around freely and, and go from there. So it's the facilities in general. Your restrooms, um, ADA accessible, hopefully beyond ADA. In fact, the family restrooms have been a great amenity because they're large and, yeah. and they create a lot of movability. So they... Actually, increased the uh, accessibility, but the paved asphalt stuff like that it comes into play. The trails um, they range from there. They can I would call a beginner trail. Some is four feet wide for most part, almost no cross slope at all, and a very minimal gradient and small distance. And then we start getting intermediate. The trail may narrow down to thirty six inches. And there may be some consequences of running off trail, and the gradient may get more steeper. And then with the um, advance. There are consequences for most anything. So, you may be a spider on certain areas. You may need to have a spider with you while you're on the trail. They may have certain areas you may someone spot you, get you back up, right? But the trail, bridges, and stuff like that are wide enough for your bike to go go on. So, those are things there we got to think about substrate is a big thing as well. So, we're doing off road trails. So, it's for bikes. The trails we've done at Crabtree are not wheelchair friendly, um, they're off road hand cycle friendly. So that's the concept there. If you're looking for something that can be wheelchair friendly, pack stone dirt, a- asphalt, not gravel. Gravel, your your or the front wheels hit the wheel time and cause tipping, it just makes it difficult to get through. So those are things that kind of come into play. The bridges won't be four foot wide, they'd probably be six to eight feet wide. So you can allow dual traffic back and forth. So there's a lot of things you gotta consider of what audience you're trying to attract. If you're a mountain bike trail, you need to make sure your trail is usable for adapted off-road cycles. If you're trying to do a hiking trail, then you need to look at perspective of system of system devices, so wheelchairs or power chairs, or even um, the the grit chair, which is like a mechanical. Um, kind of a hybrid between a crank shaft and a, they crank arms and move the wheels on the trail. So those things you got to think and yeah, think about is what what aren't you trying to serve. Right, and then from there determine what needs to happen, and then bring, like I said before, bring that audience to the table. Uh, they can say what needs to happen to make it usable for them. Because they, if they say I won't come use it, you haven't met you've missed the mark. So,
0: and you mentioned that you talked to Wake County. Hey, there's barrier. Can you take it out? Are they fairly um, receptive to when you all when you all call them and and ask for accommodations?
2: Yeah, like, the this is before I had a, a the relationship we have now have Wake County. I, I called them out the particular one, I think at Yates Mill Road. Um, don't test me on the name, but <laughs> um, I said, hey, this is an issue. Our riders can't get through it. They have to pull their bikes over, and it's just not – we can't – it stopped our flow. And they were like, okay, we'll have our guys take care of it. And I think within a month it was gone. And so – but at point on, we now – official officially part of Wake County – yeah, it's just having those conversations. I think that's I think it's part of the thing with the world of, of adapted athletes. And when I say athletes, I mean anybody who tries to live an active lifestyle. Half mile roll down the down the street in your wheelchair or playing boccia or some other activity, for me as an athlete. So it's just having that conversation and say, Hey, have you guys thought about this? And I think it's also how you have the conversation too, versus going, You should have known about this. Right. Well, Maybe they don't know about this. There's so much stuff to absorb code-wise and user-wise. And like I said before, if the people are not at the table of the conversation, a lot of things are going to miss. So our conversation has been more, hey, have you thought about this? It would be nice if we, if we did this, we could reach a larger audience. And so even with – we're also working with Dorothea Dix controversy about getting a permanent troll system in the, in the Dorothea Dix part.
0: Which, it's, that's not an easy park. Like, I've run those hills. That's a really difficult place to be an athlete.
2: Yeah, it's uh, – because um, there's the, the side cross race that happens at Spring Hill with a part of Centennial campus, and there's the woods down behind the flower cottage that we're looking at, a possible trail system right there. But they're also – part of the grand, grander plan is some greenways to wrap around it, so the accessibility will be there. That's good. really there at the larger plan. But it's just – it's – the conversation's gotta happen and it's gotta happen in a tactful way. Like giving them how to help someone understand where we're coming from and that we're willing to help as much as we can to get there. So even with um like Wake County, we partnered with the grant with them to get some more trails done, some bridges replaced at Harris Lake. It's this partnership to have that conversation. And I think it's, I think as long as you go at a non defensive way. Yeah. And so how can we make things better for everybody? It's kinda of hard to say no to that.
0: Would you say the ultimate goal is to not have to go back and fix everything to have as it's built to make it accessible for everyone from the get go
2: yeah I, it would be the ideal world would be that I am no longer trying to raise money or push for policy change to make it happen that it's already in the thought process we're going to build a new trust system here we're going to do, do a new uh trailhead park facility here. What can we do to make this? most universally accessible for as much large population as possible so that everybody can enjoy this, enjoy that particular park, that would be great. It, Cause then I can just focus on getting athletes riding and getting athletes on trails and getting athletes playing and doing adaptive sports versus the policy side of things. And so it'd be, yeah, I think we will get there. The, the conversations have been happening and we've been, I've had some proactive con- people contact me and say, Hey, I think we're doing this trail like Lake, Lake Raleigh, NCCU, NC State, um, we're contacted, I did a ride with their trail lead, Tommy Holding, a week or two ago, a week ago. My days are merging. Um, but that was the whole conversation there was, like, how can we make these trails accessible for adaptive riders? And state has the largest student population um, in the state. So two, two three thousand, 3,000, four, four 4,000 students that probably have a disability because you utilize that trail. And now you make it, the state's taking that mesh of, that approach how we can make this more university accessible, then they can actually accommodate the students in the university and also accommodate the the, the population around that area.
0: Well, I think adapted athletes in North Carolina are pretty lucky to have you around Wes. You're doing really good work there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's but it the athletes make it make it worthwhile. And I I I, I, I mentioned earlier like it's been scary, but I'm excited at the same time. I, I worry that i'm not doing everything i need to be doing but
0: well you're doing something and I'm you're doing something. you're doing a lot of things and i mean really at the end of the day that's all you can do right yeah wes i really appreciate you coming on to my show today and uh thank you for doing everything that you're doing for adapted athletes and adapted sports in north carolina um i hope that you are able to get so much more done
2: yeah we're looking forward to it
0: thank you to my guest ncas co-founder wes hall You can check out his website, ncadaptedsports.org, to learn more about the organization and the work that they do. Next week, our exploration of adapted sports continues as I welcome Jillian Widener, a wheelchair track and basketball athlete. We'll discuss how she learned about adapted sports, her championship track season, and adapted sports in North Carolina. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and you'll get notified when all new episodes air. Thanks for listening to Game Time in the Triangle. Congratulations to Friday Night Rivals game trophy winner Cardinal Gibbons. And good luck to all of our FNR teams in the playoffs.